Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and joined with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. Hello, everyone. And we have a special guest today. Our first guest for episode 20 is my sister, Jennifer Raffa. Jennifer is broker of record and owner of Sable Real Estate. So our show today is going to be a hybrid of real estate and psychology. Real estate therapy, if you will. Yeah. How are you doing today, Jennifer? Great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. So we're going to start out with our quotes, like we generally... Do you have a quote today, Anthony? Yeah, so I want to see what Jen, how she interprets this one. I found this on, on the internet. The only bad time to buy property is later. Whoever Steve Bolton is, he said that. So Jen is... What is this quote? tell you or, or what, what's your uh, reaction to it? So that's generally true, but in today's market, that's not necessarily true because we are at an all-time high right now. So usually the adage is you buy now and hold it, but right now we're in a unique time, so. <laughs> unique, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and it's kind of like piggybacking on our cognitive distortions. It's not all or never, right? It can't just be always a good time or never a good time. There has to be some relativity to it in relative situations. Yeah, I think the idea is, is that if you're interested in something, don't wait for it because it may not necessarily be there once you decide. Mm-hmm. But do you find that, that a lot of people realize that they don't realize how much they really wanted it until it slips through their fingers? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The remorse that they experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that happens. And sometimes they didn't really want it, but the... But they think they did. But because... they think they did because they lost right. it or somebody else wanted it. Sure. So. I gotcha. Yeah, that happens. And that's cognitive dissonance, actually. And then you rationalize to yourself, well, it wasn't really a good place anyway. It was too close to the highway. You know, you have to talk it down. Yeah, this is only so... There's a better place yeah. on the horizon. I, I know somebody, yeah, I know somebody who just did that recently. <laughs> a lot of people do it, and sometimes that's actually true. I've had clients that were devastated because they lost a property only to find something else and be like, I'm so glad that that didn't work out because this is so much better. Yeah. There's a lot of CBT involved with reframing your thinking and getting people to think of the situation differently. That happened with my place because I'm happy with with my place as opposed to the other two places I was looking to rent. Then there's also the hidden factor that you don't take into account your neighbors. You know, maybe you can come back and we can talk about dealing with neighbors. That's something you can make me help help me with. Yeah, that's always fun. (laughs) Yeah. And Dr. Raffa, what was your quote? So my quote is by Warren Buffett. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. So, Jen, what do you think this means? I think it's a great quote because price and value don't always go hand in hand. What's valuable to one person may not be valuable to the next person. And if the current market tells us anything, we have many people willing to pay overprice right now. But for them, it's the value in that particular property that is worth it. So yeah, and I think value is important. It's very relative. You know, the price that someone may pay for something, somebody else may not agree that that's a value. Like maybe it's, you know, priced high, but you get to now have space to have family dinners, holidays, a backyard for your kids and your animals to play in, or maybe the kids in a school district. So I think value is important, I guess, when people are buying a house, I guess, sure, selling too, but I would say buying, like, what are you getting for that money? Not just the house, like the the memories, the experience. Yeah, and it's subjective. Like one person values having a pool, whereas another person doesn't. So, Right, they can see that as a liability. Mm -hmm. 
hope so. Right. All right. So we're going to uh, do our Q&A segment. I have some generic questions here, but I'm sure you can elaborate on them all. First one is pretty basic. If a person is looking for a real estate agent, what should a person look for and or maybe some questions that they could, uh, you know, rattle off? And again, every every customer is different, so that, that might be specific. I, I get that. But like, what are some ABCs of looking for a good real estate agent? In the purchase of a home. Okay, we'll start off with the purchase of a home. So they're looking to, yeah, because they're looking to buy. Right, okay. So you definitely want to make sure that they have experience. Don't necessarily want a rookie unless you yourself has experience. You want them to have a knowledge of your market area that you're looking into. And if you're looking into multiple areas, then you want to make sure they at least have some sort of general knowledge or the tools to be able to gain that knowledge in that area. But I think the experience is very important. And then as a buyer, the next most important thing that people don't particularly ask is their availability. And if they're not available, do they have someone available for them when they're not? Otherwise, you're going to be running around all weekend trying to find someone to take you to a property if your realtor is booked up. I guess but some people work part-time too, right? So there are some people that work part-time. So being full-time in the real estate business is important. And I think that goes hand in hand with their experience because someone that has experience will certainly not be working part-time. Which leads me to a question, actually. What made you decide to own your own company and become a broker and everything else that you do with your position? Right. So what made me decide was I started out in the residential industry then I flipped into commercial. And then the last real estate crash in 2007, people were asking me to manage their properties. So I kind of accumulated all this business and experience in these different fields, but didn't quite fit in a firm anywhere. Most were focused on residential or solely on commercial. And I needed both to serve both clients. And then, you know, in order to fully serve my clients on the management piece, I had to have a brokerage firm to do that. So that's kind of what... That was your evolution story. And also you have people that work for you now and you manage properties and you work with residential and commercial clients. Correct. So a lot of different uh, hands in the pot. A lot of hats. A lot of hats. A lot of that's hats. what my hat says. Yeah. A lot of hats. Women who wears many hats. So right now it's a seller's market. Yes. So if it's stressful selling or buying a home, it's probably way more stressful buying one right now because you're really not going to get much bang for your buck. Correct. And not only that, it's just very competitive. So you're setting yourself up with a lot of work and a hard, lot of heartbreak. Low inventory, right? That's yes. Problem, Low inventory. Issue. So it's good to rent now if you can do that. Unless there's. It's good, but even that's hard right now because low inventory there as well. So you're going to be paying a lot more in rent too. So I guess the best thing I could suggest right now is if possible, stay put. Okay, so since it's a seller's market, what are some strategies that you can use to help your clients out during this time period? Right, so the best thing to do is prepare them on what to expect. Make sure that they have somewhere to go because usually the house will sell pretty quickly. And also, once you start showing, it, you're going to be inundated with showing. So you've got to be out of the house. Don't expect to be there. We recommend that they leave, keep the house neat. Um, but the most important thing would be price point. So everyone pretty much knows nowadays that this is a seller's market and sellers are under the assumption that they can ask for whatever they want and still get a bidding war. 
And that is not necessarily the case. In fact, it's a mistake that I've seen over and over again. And because of that mistake, I've had buyers able to get properties for a better price because of the seller overpricing and it's sitting on the market for too long. So the best strategy is to look in the past two months, three months, we used to say six months, but things change so fast, two, three months, and price your property right at market value. What the last ones have sold for that are identical, and then you will get a bidding war, and then that will drive the price up. So like an example would be what? Like if someone would want to sell for 400, really price it at 350? 375 or something like that? Not necessarily. If someone want, if the value of the property today, if an appraiser looked at the recent solds and everything had sold for 400 in the last two, three months, then that's where you want to price your house. Okay. And it's possible that it could go up to 425, 450. It could because we're on an upswing. But what you don't want to do is if the value of your property is 400,000, price it at 425 because you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. You'll list it at 425 and maybe someone will come in, maybe not. Maybe you have to wait a couple of weeks or a couple of months even and end up settling for less than 400. And when there are bidding wars, how do you see sellers behaving, you know, like emotionally with that? Because now they have all these people that are, you know, trying to buy their property. Do you see emotion behind that at all? Yes, sellers are completely overwhelmed. That's why trying to prepare them ahead of time on what to expect, because even though you say it, they may not necessarily understand the impact that it's actually really going to have on them. So a lot of sellers want, oh, I want a family like mine, but then that opens you up to discriminating against families. Mm -hmm. So the best advice you can give to a seller is just look at what it is that you want as far as timing on closing and the financial terms. Price may not necessarily always be the um, best thing for you. Some people might want to take less if they want to wait 60 days to close or 90 days to close. Sellers pretty much can decide what it is that they want mm -hmm. and then pick their offers based off of that. Right. So price is not just a determining factor. And also, like, there's a lot of, like, it moves really fast. You kind of have to be impulsive, you know, like, if, especially on the, on the buying side, I guess the selling side, too that if you find something, you have to jump on it, I guess. And that causes a lot of anxiety. Yeah, well, that's more so the buyers. Like, the sellers are overwhelmed for different reasons, but there's a lot of anxieties with buyers because, yeah, you don't have time to decide. You used to be able to look at a property, and you could wait a day or two and yeah. process whether you like it or not. Now it's like, can I even get into the property and look at it before it's gone? So you don't have time, and we have a lot of buyer's remorse right now because we have people that are bidding on multiple properties in extremely high prices, and then they're awarded the property and then they sit back then they think about it and say no you know what i didn't really like it i just mm -hmm. threw an offer in right so we have a lot of contracts that fall apart in the early stages for that reason right or people act on emotion and they're desperate and that's what they think they want is there a certain time of year that it's like say you know you got your house you're gonna sell it you know you're gonna sell it soon so is it best to wait for a certain time of year to put it on the market typically we say the spring market is best because that coincides with school and people have Having kids in school, June is when school's out and everybody tends to move spring, early part of summer, and then people go on vacation in summer and then obviously school starts in the fall. 
But the last two years, all that went out the window. <laughs> right. So the best time to sell is now, period. Like, That's just it. The any, best time any, to sell. Any month, any day, like whenever. Yeah, any day. Like, I mean, we used to say, oh, you know, put properties on the market on Thursday. You know, so you have the weekend. Oh, but yeah. It doesn't matter. Any time of day. You know, we used to say, forget the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Doesn't matter. We'll sell anything right now. You can put a dollhouse on the corner and put a sign and it'll sell. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. But generally, in a normal market, Market, the spring market is the best time. All right. Well, let's flip to the customers because I think Dr. Raffa even alluded to, or both of you guys did, that that, that the, there's a lot of stress when you are buying. You're the, you're you know you're in this market right now. It's really 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 competitive. Well, first of all, again, let's just bring it to a general question and not necessarily think about this market. But you know, as far as trying to decide what your customers want, you must have a lot of patience in trying to figure out while they're figuring out what exactly what they want. Yeah. Certainly, you have to have patience for sure. And that again comes with experience and personality of your real estate agent, which is, you know, another thing that you want to think about when you're choosing someone is do your personalities mesh? You have to trust that person. And a good real estate agent or broker will be able to take the time with you and show you the market so that way you can do process of elimination on your own. Most people come and have a very broad spectrum of what they want, or they really don't know, maybe some things, but maybe they thought, you know, I'm okay with not having a basement. And then after looking at a few homes, decide, no, we definitely need a basement. So that comes with going to the market, looking at what's available and doing the process of elimination. And then from there deciding, no, I definitely don't want this or you know, the expectation of I can get this for my money in this market where you may not necessarily be able to. So that takes time and that takes patience from a real estate agent to be able to show you so you can figure out what it is that you do want and then also give you the insight of telling you to some degree what may benefit you that you don't even realize that you want. Right. It sounds very experiential. Like you, you're better off having them, helping them along the way to figure it out. Instead of just saying, well, this isn't really, you know, what you're looking for. They have to really experience it very much like therapy. We as psychologists are really not supposed to tell people what they should be doing. We lead them to figure things out and have that aha moment. Exactly. Like in your field and mine, we may know before they even know right. what it is that they want or need. Right. But you can't just tell a person that you have to show it to them. I agree. And it's not as powerful, even if you did tell them. And it also, they'll believe it more strongly than when they came up with the idea, even if you knew it all along, as opposed to Dr. Rafa told me this is what I should or shouldn't be doing, because then it fosters dependency, you know, you at know, least in psychology. You have to lead them where you want them to go <laughs> right. for their own good. Yeah. Mm, like in know. advertising, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can lead the horse to water, you can't, can't make it drink. Can't make it drink. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. So, what advice would you give to a person who, say, has a you know a teaching job? I'm a teacher, or or a regular job, or maybe hasn't even been in the workplace, and they think to themselves, "I'm going to be a real estate agent. I can do that." What are some soul searching that they need to do, or some real questions that they need to ask themselves in order for them to really be a successful real estate agent? That's a great question. And when I'm interviewing new agents, it's one of the first questions that I ask, why do they want to do this? A lot of people have the misconception of, oh, I'm going to show nice houses and make a lot of money. And it's not really like that. There is years before you get to the point of, I'm going to show nice houses and make a lot of money. It's more so about building relationships and 
and gaining experience and your marketplace. And you really have to like what you're doing. And you really have to like people. You have to, I mean, you end up being their psychologist to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you deal with a lot of different situations. You deal with a lot of different people. You have to be versatile to that. And a lot of times you can spend time over and over and over again, that amount to no money. So you cannot do it just for the money that comes after you have to do it because you love it and you have a passion for it. I mean, there's a lot of nights, there's a lot of weekends, there's a lot of holidays that you have to work. You have to be a available and it's not for everybody. So if you want to get into the real estate business, this better be something that you have a passion for to help people do. Otherwise, it's like a revolving door. You'll come in and come out and I see it time after time. You have to definitely be a people person. You have to yeah. be able to work, uh, you know, well with people or, or uh, have some charisma or... Well, patience, like she said, and there's a lot of different personality types there. You know, there's a lot of emotions with people buying and selling homes, whether they're getting married and buying a home, they're getting divorced and selling their home. They're having children, so they need to have a bigger space. There's all of that. I'm wondering if it's possible to be a part-time realtor, right? Like, it's just... It is possible, but, you know, a lot of what we do is being available to somebody. And that could mean, you know, that means at any given time. So if you're doing it on a part-time basis, then you should have somebody that you're working with to help you out on the other stuff. Even when you're full-time, you need someone to help you out. Otherwise, you're going to be working day in and day out Mm -hmm. once you get busy. So you need to have backup regardless. Yeah, people don't care that it's Martin Luther King (laughs) Jr.'s birthday or even Christmas Eve, right? No, even Christmas Eve, yeah. I mean, when I started out, I started out part-time, but I was an assistant. So I worked with a real estate broker and until I gained enough experience to do it on my own. And then now I have assistants that help me because you can't be everything to everybody all at one time. So you can do it part-time and I would recommend it because it would take some time to even get sales. Usually it could take about six months before you even get your first sale when you start off. So, but you just have to make sure that once you start rolling, that you have backup, somebody that you're working with to show you the ropes and not only that help you when you're not available. Like mentor you, basically, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, what you said before was important is having, I think, with, um, you know, being, becoming a real estate agent or just being a client is realistic expectations because a lot of people don't have those mm-hmm. generally with the process or becoming an agent or sure. buying or selling a home. So correcting their thinking traps, I guess, is really important too. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, yeah, and you, it does. It takes a lot of patience to help someone realize what the expectations need to be because Mm -hmm. how do you work through that how do you get someone that has unrealistic expectations to a more realistic point because Mm -hmm. I've had clients that I've worked with before where I'm like there's no way we're never getting anywhere Mm -hmm. we're not going to get to the point where this is going to be a house for you because it's just you have unrealistic expectations and no matter how I try to show you or explain it to you, you're not getting it. So how do you deal with people like that? You have to figure that out too. And different cultures and how they handle things. And yeah, it is like my job, basically. Yeah, like I mean, we talked there, about there are, all, there are a lot of correlations. We well, for many years we've talked about like the, the trials and tribulations of both of our professions, and we've just figured there's a, a lot of crossovers, which is why we decided to, you know, have Jen be on the show. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have this misconception that 
real estate agents are like car sales people, but it's, we're salespeople, but it's different. I mean, you don't put too much emotion into buying a car. A house is sometimes oh, your yeah. biggest investment, your only investment in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more that goes into that. You know, you can't just let somebody walk into your office and sell them the next thing that comes off the lot. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work like that. So Right, and with any luck, your house is appreciating as opposed to a car that depreciates as soon as you drive it off the lot. People aren't as attached, you know, to a house. People mourn their home. Like, I've had people do rituals of saying goodbye to their home. You know, that was yeah. on, wasn't that on Modern Family? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I go through my old neighborhood with, with Dante, and I know he wants to get out of the car, and I'm like, well, other people live in there. We really, they're not going to be too happy with us uh, going not in there and, uh, you know, walking through there. I'd love to. Uh, but I, but then we get arrested, and that's not good for anyone. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of people that talk about their childhood home a lot, and then they want to drive by it or go to it. I've never heard anybody say that about their childhood family car. It just yeah, happen. sure. They want yeah. to replicate. They might that. remember that green station wagon, but that's it. That's the extent yeah. of it. Yeah. They don't have the desire to go find yeah. one on Craigslist <laughs> and drive by it. It's just it's, yeah, it's yeah. different. Definitely emotional experience because of all the you live in it. Your memories. It's your, you know, your emotional attachment to that house. Mm. So you have a lot to manage from all these different angles, right? Yeah. 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 Ooh, then yeah. there's the legal aspect of it where the car, there's not so much involved in that. So. Oh, yeah. Definitely have to get real estate attorneys involved more so than with the car, right? <laughs> what are some thoughts on... If you are a landlord, what are some issues of stress that landlords would have, especially maybe during these times? Right. So another part of my company is we do property management. And these last two years have been pretty stressful on landlords, but it's stressful on landlords regardless. But what I say all the time is I wouldn't have a business if it was so easy because landlords, they get this idea, great, I'm going to own a property and the tenants are going to pay my mortgage down. Yes, it's that is true to a certain degree, but it is not easy. Um, you have people calling all the time, nights, weekends, always something wrong or, you know, there's so many different issues that come into play. And you really want someone as a buffer in between to manage that, because even myself with my own personal investment, I had the hardest time dealing with my tenant because I am attached to that property. It's my investment. Right. So having a third party in between that is not does not has no financial interest in it, so to speak, that makes them have logical solutions right. yeah. to your problems. They're like where, a fixer. Yeah, they're like yeah. a fixer. Whereas if it's your own, you get emotional about it. You react in that kind of way and you don't solve your problems that way. So having someone with an outside perspective and that knows the laws too, because especially mm -hmm. the last two years, the laws have changed on a regular basis on what you can and cannot do with a tenant and not collecting rents and that kind of thing. So you want, you know, there are so many landlords that come to us that have managed their properties themselves that have done so many different things wrong, but they haven't had any issues and, you know, no, they haven't had any issues. Usually when they come to us, it's because they're having an issue. Uh, so if they come to us and everything hasn't been done properly, well, then it just makes it harder to, if you have to evict somebody, if you don't have, if you haven't done everything that you need to do, then a judge is going to throw your case out. So you want to make sure that from a legal standpoint, 
you have everything up to code from what you're doing. There are a lot of people that have a lot of experience in buying and selling real estate and even owning and renting them, but they may not be up to date on the real estate laws and what's in place right now. This time is obviously different than most, but even three years ago, there was always new laws coming up that, you know, if you're, if you're not well-schooled on what's in the know now, it can hurt you in, down the road. There's a lot of tenants' rights, you know, that uh, people don't know about. I Because, obviously, I know your business and you, I think it's a great idea to have someone manage properties. Like, a lot of people think that they can handle it, but it takes a lot of assertiveness to be your own landlord. It's always good to have a third party be able to do it. It's not easy thinking that you can, because like you said, it's a lot of work and also just being attached to that property and maybe liking the tenants, mm -hmm. not, not really yeah, well, objective. <laughs> right, then there's that, then there's the tenants, you know, always crying to you. And it's not even just being tough with the tenants, that is one part of it, but also sympathizing with them to a certain degree. But where's that line? There is a line. A lot of times landlords, mm -hmm. you know, they get taken advantage of because they don't know that line. Right. Um, so, you know, you want your tenants to stay, especially if they're good paying tenants and they take care of your property. So there's a fine line of making sure that they are happy along with, you know, setting your boundaries. Right. And also brokering a deal, basically. Like, it's probably better if this person's a good tenant historically to keep them and, you know, only raise the rent a little bit as opposed to maybe being greedy and thinking that you should or shouldn't get. Like, again, the relationship, maintaining that, because I think that's valuable having a good tenant that pays their bills on time. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, even if you get a little less rent. Yeah. Well, know. I say to people all the time, it is very easy to put somebody in a property. It is not that easy to get them out. It, right. it, it's like a marriage. You can go down to the courthouse, <laughs> you can sign your papers away, but getting divorced is not that easy. It's the same thing when it comes to landlords and tenants. Okay, so I think we covered a lot of great topics today. We talked about how real estate intersects with psychology. What do you think we've learned today, Jen, Anthony? I've learned that right now it's a seller's market, not a buyer's <laughs> market, and that you need to keep your expectations realistic, even if you are at the advantage. A house on the market for an extended amount of time is no good because they wonder what's wrong with this house. Especially now, it was like that before, but now when properties are selling in two days, if it's on the market even a week or two, people, people start getting, people wonder. Okay, that's what I learned also. Going into real estate, if anybody wants to, you know, I mean, again, this is going to sound like, you know, generic, like with any profession, you know, you need to love it. But especially I think this one and others like this where people see it's trendy, it seems like a quick buck, it seems like, you know, uh, anybody can do it. Why not me? And, you know, it's kind of insulting. I would imagine how, you know, that you would feel with people feeling about your profession. You know, especially in this market, people will think they just want to go get their real estate license and they can make a quick buck. Well, especially in this market, it's even harder because yeah. when you are a new agent, you can't compete with the rest of these oh, yeah. seasoned people. Mm -hmm. No, because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to navigate it and you'll make nothing. I mean, I myself, with my experience, have spent six months, a year, with people before mm -hmm. they purchase. You have to be able to handle that. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably yeah. more to it with any career. Um, I always think it's a good idea for people with any career to kind of talk to somebody in that career. So it's nice that you're offering this advice, you know, for free on the podcast for any listeners out there. You know, just getting a realistic kind of, you know, feedback. I'll have kids or students, interns call and want to interview me about what's it like to be a psychologist for their, their program in school. 
So it's nice to give them kind of a reality check on that. Yeah, most of my students know not to be a teacher because they see their classmates and how ridiculous they act in yeah. class. And they go, I couldn't put up with this. I don't know how you do it. Especially high school. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Oh my gosh. So Jen, can you just give our audience your contact information and where, where can one find you if they have questions about real estate? Yeah, absolutely. We are located in Marlton, New Jersey on um, Route 70. My name is Jennifer Rafa. Our office phone number is 856-872-4100. You can also reach us on the website at www.sabalre.com. And you can also reach me directly on my cell phone at 609-381-9350. And if you prefer, by email, it's jraffa at sabalre.com. And I will make sure that we can post that in the link to contact Jen in this market. If you need a seasoned real estate agent slash broker, then Jen is the person to contact. So as always, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychology.com. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance.